evening. Good to see each one of you in the Lord's house tonight. Would you stand with me, please? Let's turn to page 419 as we begin. Page number 419. We're going to sing all four verses, The Solid Rock. Page number 419. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Sing it out. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. sure full of a lot of sinking sand, amen, but thankful tonight uh, for the solid rock of my Savior, and sure glad that you're here uh, tonight in our midweek service. We often call the oasis in the desert, amen, and so thankful, thankful to see our buses uh, running tonight and uh, the kids uh, running around downstairs and over in the teen department. They had cookies in the teen department, and so I was almost late to the services tonight, amen. Uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Ask God to meet with us uh, tonight. I'm going to ask Brother Dave Shane if you would pray for us tonight. Won't you be seated uh, tonight? And uh, of course, uh, the uh, we are certainly anticipating and getting very excited uh, about this coming uh, Sunday as we start our uh, annual fall uh, revival. I actually, talked with Brother Dean Herring uh, today a little bit, and so just kind of uh, making sure uh, the flight and everything, uh, and uh, all the plans for the week and, and things like that. And so trusting that you are praying uh, for him uh, as he is going to uh, be here with us Sunday and then, of course, Monday uh, through Friday. did just want to mention a few things. Uh, of course, we are fasting and praying this week uh, and uh, fasting this week from TV and entertainment and looking for our Lord uh, to speak. Amen. And so do want to encourage you to continue to participate uh, in that uh, Sunday. Uh, we'll start our revival meeting. We do have our men's prayer at 8 o'clock in the morning. And then, of course, our Sunday school hour and morning service is all going to be at regular times. We are going to have a combined Sunday school. Uh, so that means both of the adult classes, the pastor's class, as well as the home builders 
And then, of course, the teen class, we're going to invite them to be up here with us as well. Uh, We are going to have the Assurance Trio with us from Heartland Baptist Bible College, and so they're going to be providing uh, special music and things like that during Sunday school as well as the morning and the evening uh, service. And so they're going to be here with us Sunday night uh, also. And so, again, uh, it'll be regular morning service times. Uh, Brother Dean Herring is going to be teaching Sunday school as well as preaching Sunday morning. And then Sunday night, uh, we, will, we will not have our Bible study time at 6 o'clock. It will just be our evening service at 6.30. And so make sure you're aware of that. And then, of course, Monday through Friday, 7 o'clock uh, each night. And again, just want to encourage you to be in your place. Uh, the message you miss will be the message that you needed. And so be in your place uh, for that. And, and certainly pray for Brother Herring as he preaches did also want to mention this. We do uh, have quite a few of these uh, flyers. And so if you would like, uh, maybe you've got some neighbors or some family, friends, coworkers, something like that, that you would like to invite, uh, certainly make yourself available uh, to those and invite somebody to come to the meeting uh, with you. Did want to mention some other things. October the 21st, which is on a Saturday, be our church-wide outreach for the month of October and that'll be at 10.30 a.m. over in the fellowship hall. And then also if you have young people that are in the teen class, there is a youth rally that afternoon or evening time, I believe it is, at Riverside Baptist Church up in St. Joseph, Missouri. And so I know some of our young people are going to be going to that. And so be much in prayer for that. And then also, ladies, don't forget about October the 21st, which is 24, excuse me, which is on a Tuesday. Be the ladies' meeting at 7 o'clock uh, in the evening. That, too, is over in the fellowship hall. And you are asked to bring finger foods and then also a lady's birthday gift. And then also October the 27th, is, which is on a Friday, is our harvest party that we have uh, every year. And so our school will be doing that from 1 o'clock till 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And then, of course, our church family will be doing that from 7 o'clock to 9 p.m. Uh, at night. And so as we get closer to that, I'm sure we'll be getting the candy barrels out there in the outer foyer. And so if you could help us out with that with bags of candy, we would sure appreciate uh, that. We want to load up the kids with lots of sugar and then send them home to their parents. Amen. Uh, And then also October the 29th, which is on a Sunday, following the evening service, there will be a Linger Longer and then also a Teen Chili Cook-Off. And so if you want to bring some finger foods that go with chili, which if you ask me, that's pretty much anything, uh, certainly do that. And then you can eat uh, teen chili at your own risk, all right? So let's go ahead tonight and uh, let's get our prayer list uh, out. I'm going to laugh. I don't care if you laugh or not, amen. I'll laugh at my own jokes tonight. Uh, Let's go ahead and get our prayer list out uh, tonight. And I did just want to mention... Uh, a few things. I know we have some traveling uh, going on. Uh, Brother Matt, Miss Amy Whitney, they are traveling and making their way back home uh, this evening. Also, if you would, pray for Jack and Lizzie Parker, our missionaries to Japan, as they are traveling uh, back to the state of Kansas as well. They've been down uh, in Mobile, uh, Alabama, and so certainly pray for safety. I'd venture to say they're getting close to about wrapping things up uh, there, but do uh, pray for them. Certainly pray for the Moore family. Uh, with the uh, home going of Miss Carolyn uh, Moore. And then, of course, again, I do want to just say as we pray tonight, if we could just put extra emphasis on praying uh, for the fall uh, revival. And, I, you know, we we have certainly seen the winds of salvation blow through, amen, in those kind of meetings. And so we just need the Lord to meet with us and so pray uh, for that. Did have a few updates uh, on the health uh, side of things. Um, uh, pray for Brother Roy McRae. He had some tests uh, done today, and so they are at home tonight, kind of recovering uh, from that. And then also, Miss Sue McRae mentioned that Maddie Owens did really well with her chemo last week, and so uh, they are going to be doing that uh, again uh, this coming week. And so pray for her. She's actually getting close to her fourth birthday. And then also, Brother Clarence uh, Sexton, uh, that's a longtime pastor out there in uh, the Tennessee area. Uh, he did. Uh, they he uh, is has improved a little bit, and so he is now uh, in uh, rehab or physical therapy. And so pray uh, for him. And certainly, a lot of others. I uh, think of our church family tonight, uh, Brother Randy uh, Crawford and Miss uh, Jerry Crawford. If you would continue to pray uh, for them, also Brother Gene and Miss Ginger Sexton. Good to see them uh, here uh, tonight. But do continue to pray for them. Also, Brother Chuck Bellis, Brother Bob Nugent, and just so many others. 
uh, that are battling uh, different things and, and certainly the unspokens and things tonight as well. Also pray for the Ellis family as they're continuing uh, to try to find a place uh, to live. I know they would sure appreciate uh, that. Anybody else tonight have an update or anything like that, Brother John? Okay, all right, so let's pray for Miss Sammy, and we'll get her on the prayer list, and then pray for wisdom uh, on uh, decisions there. Okay, so uh, Brother Will uh, Kennedy. Amen, brother. Well, I know that's a heartbreaker. He had brain cancer, but praise the Lord, he trusted Christ as his Savior, and that was a real blessing right there. And so let's pray for uh, his family. And uh, uh, sure, sorry to hear that. I know the family's probably hurting, but praise the Lord, he is, he's doing a whole lot better than we are, amen. And so let's pray for that uh, situation. And uh, every time I, I pray down our list and I come across his name, I rejoice that, that, you know, at one time he had salvation on there and we were praying for that. So that's a blessing there. So, amen. So let's pray for that. Anybody else tonight? Okay, Miss Christie. Yes. And that's Victor Howard, right? Okay. Okay, and he's going to have to have surgery. Yeah, we were talking about that at the softball game, and so pray for him. So, and I know he would pre- pray for Josh. Amen. Amen. That's his buddy right there. So for sure. So, all right. Anybody else tonight? I have a prayer request. All right, Miss Elaine. Okay. Okay. Now that's your sister, right? Yes. Okay. So let's. All right, so we can take her off. Praise the Lord for that. So that's a blessing. Anybody else tonight have an update or a prayer request or anything like that? Okay, let's go ahead and have our men uh, come tonight. I'm going to take up our offering and certainly pray uh, for these and uh, a lot of battles and, and things going on. did also want to mention this. I did get an update from Lance and Leah, uh, Leah Patterson, our missionaries to the Philippines, and uh, everybody's at home and recovering and doing much better, and so thankful uh, for that. And, of course, uh, Leah and Ethan, their son, were involved in a car accident, and it was the other person's fault. He's acknowledged all that, and so there's a lot of blessings there. And so it was a very good letter, and they were just very encouraged by the people that had reached out uh, to them, and so thankful for that. Man, let's pray tonight. Let's pray for the offering, the service tonight, um, the different things that are going on, the health needs. But let's especially pray tonight for the week of revival that we have coming up this week. Brother Gary Waters, would you pray for us tonight, brother?
me one last time tonight. Let's turn to page 425. Page 425. In times like these, we'll sing all three verses together tonight. Page number 425. In times like these, you need a Savior. In times like these, you need an anchor. Be very sure, be very sure. Your anchor holds and grips the song tonight. Please remain standing. Get your Bibles out for the message this evening. That was a good song tonight. Amen. I, I hope that you could sing that with a whole lot of assurance in your soul. Amen. That I am very sure. And uh, all I can think of is First Timothy and thinking, man, I'm glad we got sound doctrine tonight. Amen. And uh, what a blessing. Well, take your Bibles tonight and go with me to First Timothy and we're actually going to get into tonight uh, chapter number 2, okay, chapter number 2. And uh, so let's, let's begin here, verse number 1 tonight. And of course, this is Paul writing Timothy, left him at Ephesus there in chapter 1 to establish sound doctrine. And so in chapter 2, here's what he says, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Even if you don't like them, all men. All right? For kings, that's why I said that. For presidents, oh, that's not in there, sorry. That was for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all, in this word right here, I want you to key in on, in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come into the knowledge of the truth. And here's the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Whereunto I am ordained a preacher and an apostle. I speak the truth in Christ and lie not, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath, 
and doubting. So I, I did uh, want to mention to you the title tonight, and here's what I think that Paul is trying to get across to Timothy as he's there at the church at Ephesus. There's a need for praying men. The need for praying men. Father, would you bless now in Jesus' name. Amen. And won't you be seated tonight. Now, again, you and I have to remember that the pastoral epistles, uh, 1st and 2nd and Timothy, and, and even Titus, they give us what is called uh, church polity. I, I know that, that I've mentioned that before as we've kind of gotten into this book, but it, church polity, in other words, that, that just simply means this. Polity is, is government, and so it's, it's the idea of this that they help us as a church to understand how we are to govern ourselves, but, but also that, that's not just in how we handle our business, but that's also in even how we operate as a people in day-to-day life. You, you understand what I'm saying? And, and the reason that I want to remind you of that tonight is because we begin to see this beginning to unfold as we get into chapter number 2. There. There is obvious, I think that you would see that as we've read down through here. There's obviously a change of of direction that begins here. And I wrote it kind of like this, where chapter 1 laid out the overall responsibility for Timothy to establish sound doctrine in the church at Ephesus. Chapter 2 gives Timothy some personal instruction that he is to communicate to the people in the church. In fact, listen to this, where sound doctrine was revealed to be the theme of chapter 1 and really the entire book, the characteristic of godliness now becomes the underlying theme in chapter 2. Listen to this, it is mentioned, this word godliness, it is mentioned nine times in the book of 1 Timothy. Nine times. This is not a large book, this is a small book of only six chapters, so for something like that to be mentioned nine times, that's pretty key to us, all right? If you're an underliner as you go through, probably a word worth making note of, uh, underlining. It's mentioned nine times, but it's also mentioned twice here in chapter number two. Well, and, And this is what I begin to think about. Why is that? Why is it that Paul goes from sound doctrine and now into challenging Timothy to challenge the people in the church at Ephesus that they are to be godly. And here's why I I come to the conclusion of this. Because sound doctrine should produce godliness among God's people. It should do that. Come on, it should do that. Come on, if you're preaching the Bible, it ought to produce godliness among God's people. It's just a natural thing there. In fact, look it down at verse number 10. We didn't read here tonight, but you'll notice it, it says in verse number 9, in like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broidered hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but, and then notice here, which becometh women professing, and notice the word right here, godliness. All right? So, so, so if you'll notice here, the, the, this, this, this chapter, this second half of this chapter, it's going to be about the need for godly women but what, where you and I are looking at, in, back in verse number 2, it's talking about the need for godly men. And here is what godly men do, according to verse number 8. They pray. Okay, they, they pray. So, so here is what I would say to us tonight. Just as there is a need to be, you know, a, a need, there was a need to be godly in the church at Ephesus, I, I would say to you tonight, there's still a need to be godly among God's people in, in 2023. Still, still a need for that, even, even in Faith Baptist Church. And if that, and if that be the case, and, and I believe it is, there's a need, there's a calling, there, there is a, a command for God's people to be godly. And so if that is the case, then, then I would say to you this, that, that there needs to be praying men within Faith Baptist Church, that we would agree with that uh, tonight. I, let's see, yes. Absolutely, there's an application here to everyone. I believe that, that men here is kind of dealt with in some of this in a general sense. And yes, everyone needs to be praying. But I'm telling you, one of the signs of, of, of people having sound doctrine in their lives is that they become a praying people. And one of the signs that a church has sound doctrine in it 
is that there are praying men leading in the church. It's kind of what he's dealing with tonight. So, so again, the title of the message tonight is the need for praying men. There, there is a need for men in this church to, to show up to men's prayer. There, there's, a men, there's a need for men to lead their families in prayer. There's a, men, there, there's a need for men to lead this church in prayer, to walk with God in prayer in their personal lives. And, and again, I, I realize I'm dealing with men tonight, but we understand that applies to every one of us that are here tonight. I like this, I like this. Webster's 1828 Dictionary defines godliness as this. A religious life, listen, a careful observance of the laws of God and performance of religious duties, proceeding from love and reverence for the divine character and commands. That's godliness. Let me read that to you again. It's this, a careful observance of the laws of God in the performance of religious duties, proceeding from love and reverence for the divine character and commands. And so to Paul's point, we, 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 we can live the godly life that he's called us to, but you cannot live it without having a life of prayer with God. You can't do it. It's just simply not feasible. has to be noted here, as you and I get into this tonight, I don't know how far we'll go in this. I've kind of, as I was kind of going through this, we may end up stopping and having part two. I don't know. I'd like to get through all of it tonight, but but I I think that there's some things that that would be worth noting and just kind of spending time as we transition from chapter one and and into chapter two, and 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 this is what I thought about tonight. The apostle Paul could have started with with really with any subject for Timothy to begin dealing with within the church at Ephesus. You ever thought about that? I mean, he could have listed a whole, uh, I mean, a whole, a whole different, you know, as you're, you and I are going to go through the book, we're going to see all kinds of other subjects being dealt with, whether it be chapter 3 and the qualifications of bishops and deacons and how to deal with widows and, and, and dealing with the rich and all of these things. But, but Paul starts, but Paul starts uh, here uh, with, with the subject of prayer and specifically men praying. And I believe that Paul started here, and we would understand, and I come on, we would understand that the Spirit of God is the ultimate author here. But I also believe that it's the Spirit of God that gave Paul the wisdom to understand that he knew the importance of the subject of prayer and specifically men praying in the church, which is why he started the way that he did. Be, be a fact, I would say this. That if you and I were to step back tonight and just kind of over, just, just look at the overview of the book of 1 Timothy and even what we've already looked at in chapter 1 and now we're, what we're moving into in chapter number 2, I think there's a couple of reasons why we, we could maybe point some things out as to why Paul started this way. Here, here's the first one that I wrote down was this. It's because of the previous subject that we dealt with when we finished chapter 1. You know what we dealt with? Here's what we dealt with. Warring a good warfare. We finished last week. We saw how there were two opposing forces. There's false doctrine and sound doctrine. And when you have two opposing forces, well, that means this. You have warfare. Right? And, and so you understand. So, so, so hence you now have Paul encouraging Timothy. Timothy, I want you to war a good warfare. But, but also we mentioned this. That, that false doctrine and sound doctrine, that's not the only two opposing things in the spiritual realm. There's also the, the flesh and the spirit. And there's also the world and God. And, and what I'm trying to get across to you tonight is this, is that the devil is right there using the flesh and the world to try and defeat God's people and lure us into sound doctrine. And the point is this, is that if God's people, not just Timothy, are going to war a good warfare in these areas, then I would say to you that we must have a prayer life. Come on, friend. I'm just listening. That's why, look, look at verse number 1. He says, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and, for, and, and giving of thanks be made for, for, for all men. See, that's why, that's why verse 1 starts out with, I exhort, therefore. Therefore is pointing back to what was just dealt with at the end of chapter 1 about warring a good warfare. 
Well, listen, and now we see now. Oh, come on, friend. Come on. Listen, now Paul is telling Timothy, Timothy, I want you to go to Ephesus. I want you to establish sound doctrine. I want you to war a good warfare. And the first thing that you need to do is you need to deal with the subject of prayer. And here's why. Because the reality is we are now seeing that it's not just the preacher that deals with spiritual warfare. It is also the people that are going to deal with spiritual warfare. And the only way that you are going to have victory is if you learn to pray and walk with God. I will therefore, Timothy, if you're going to war a good warfare, they need to war a good warfare. They need to have victory just like you need to have victory. Therefore, teach them to pray and walk with God. Come on, it just, oh, come on, it just makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, I mean, especially for this group that we just got through on Wednesday night, going all the way through the book of Ephesians, who was written to the church at Ephesus. And in Ephesians, in chapter number 6, what does he talk about? About the spiritual armor. Go back there and look with me just very quickly. Ephesians in chapter number 6. Look at what he says in verse number 10 of Ephesians 6. He says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. And put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, and having your loins guarded about with truth, and the breastplate of righteousness, and the feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of priests, uh, peace. And then in verse 16, the shield of faith. In verse 17, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Watch this. And it ends with a colon. So that means this, that the very next verse is still part of the armor. And here's what he says. Praying always with all prayer, supplication, in the Spirit. Come on, does that not sound familiar? Come on, then Paul just wrote the church at Ephesus. Now he's leaving Timothy at the church at Ephesus to establish sound doctrine. And the first thing that he says is this is that, Timothy, if you're going to war a good warfare, and they're going to war a good warfare, then teach them to pray. Why? Because that's how you have victory. That's how you have victory. When God's people neglect their prayer life, this puts you in a place where you are both spiritually weak to fight, but also susceptible to false doctrine. Without prayer, you are in the flesh. Therefore, you deal with spiritual things in the flesh, and eventually false doctrine begins to sound appealing to that flesh, because it feeds the flesh you are now accustomed to walking in. And I believe this is exactly what happened to the two men that he mentioned at the close of chapter 1 who made shipwreck their faith, he says. See, rather than being humble men who spent time with God in prayer and walked in the power of the Spirit and sought to live godly in their lives, they became carnal men who did not walk with God. And when strange doctrine came their way, they were lured in and fell for it. And that's exactly what's happening to people today. So no coincidence that as God's people are praying less and less, God's people are also making shipwreck their faith. Dave Hardy said this one time, we are living, we, we are living like we are on a playground when the reality is we're on a battlefield. And we're not walking with God and we're not filled with His Spirit. And Satan seeks to sift you and me like wheat. And he'll do that through oppression, but he'll also do it through deception. And therefore, we must learn to be a praying people. Man, I'm, I hope you're getting this tonight. Man, some of you are just kind of staring off into space. I don't know if you're looking through me or really looking at me, but I hope you're getting this tonight. I think this is a very timely message getting into the revival meeting. That if you want God to speak with you, then you need to open up your heart and speak with Him and spend time with Him in prayer and seeking Him. Because I'm telling you, that's when He'll speak. But let me tell you the other thing about this. No, there's, there's something else here to note about this. Not, not only is there the general instruction for all of God's people to pray, but Paul gets specific in verse 8 when he says this, that, that men are to pray. I will, I, I will therefore that, that men everywhere 
uh, is what he says there in 1 Timothy chapter number 2. In verse, I will therefore that men pray everywhere. Now, now listen, as a student of the Bible, okay, I have found this about the Scriptures, that they often deal with different responsibilities of the genders. And I, I think it's sad to say this, but there are only two genders. I'm, I'm sad that we have to address that. There are only two genders. Male and female created he them. And he didn't make a mistake when he did it. Okay, so let's, let's be clear on that. But you also understand that the Bible deals with different gender responsibilities. Well, one, because men and women, women are different. Come on, that, that should be something, too, that ought to perk our ears up a little bit in this day and age. Men and women are different. Come on, they are different, no, no doubt about it. But, but, two, watch this, because they are different, there is a tendency for, for certain things to be neglected by each gender, so the Word of God, well, God knowing those things, confronts us on those things. Does that make sense? I, let, let me, let, you know, the Bible, you, you know, it deals with, with, with different gender responsibilities and, you, you know, men, men and women are different. They're different, you, you know, roles in the home and both in the church and, and home, all of that stuff. The Bible deals with these different responsibilities because men and women have a tendency to neglect them. And, I, and I'll give you a perfect example. In Ephesians chapter 5, not chapter 6, but in Ephesians chapter 5, it deals with the roles of the husband and the roles of the wife in the marriage. And here's the primary instruction. Men are to love their wives as themselves. They're to love their wives as Christ loved the church. And, and, and wives are to submit to the leadership of their husband. All right? So, so that now, now watch this, but you also have to consider this. The reason those instructions are given to the husband and the wife and their different responsibilities is because those two responsibilities each gender struggles with. Men by nature, listen to this, just, just listen to me, men, and stay with me, and, and, and just pay attention here, okay? Men by nature are more submissive. Stay with me, and please understand that. I'm not trying to belittle us as men at all. I'm just making a simple observation that men in their nature, I said in their nature, would much rather shirk the responsibility of leadership and decision-making in the home. Which is basically why you have men today acting like boys. And even in marriage, wanting their wife to be their mother. I'm just telling you, that, that's, that, that's men. And, and, and unfortunately, because of the spirit and attitude of men following after their flesh, women are forced to carry those burdens that really they're not meant to carry. But also consider this. Why do you think men make better soldiers and will march to death if commanded? Because they'll submit and follow orders, not even ask questions. Women would ask questions. Women would ask all kinds of questions. Women would ask so many questions that the guy that gave the orders would question himself. <laughs> Ladies, you, you know what I'm saying? And some of the husbands are going, yeah, she does ask a lot. Exactly. But, but see, on the other hand, men also have a tendency to neglect demonstrating love towards others. Especially their own spouse. We love ourselves. But this is why the Bible deals with this and says for husbands to love their wives. It is because this is necessary for the home to be everything that it needs to be. But also because men tend to neglect having this characteristic in their lives. Come on, think about that. When kids get hurt, they don't run to dad for comfort. Son, get up and walk it off. But dad, the bone's sticking out. I don't care. Rub some dirt on it. No, they go to mom for comfort. You know that's right. And I'm just telling you, that, that's, that's exactly right. But, but you understand, that, that, that's, but, but see, here's why. Mom's natural tendency is to love. What's not her natural tendency is to submit to the leadership of her husband, which is why the Bible calls her out on that subject. You see where I'm going with this? See, we're in 1 Timothy in chapter number 2, 
And, and you got to understand this. It's not that women aren't to pray. No, no, no. And, I, and by the way, and I do praise God for the women that do pray and have the ear of God. Well, I, I certainly, I, I don't, you know, when I was thinking about this, I certainly began to think about Sister Elda Fott, one of the, uh, you know, the charter member of our, our church. And, and, and man, you're talking about a woman that could pray. And I can remember when I first became the pastor, I don't know how many people came up to me and warned me that when you go meet Elda Fault, make sure that you get on her good side. Because you don't want her praying against you, you want her praying for you. And I praise God, I came in there, and she was, she's originally from Arkansas, and I had my southern accent, and we started talking about sweet tea, and the rest was history, amen. And she just immediately received us in, and uh, boy, sure thankful for her, her testimony. But here's the point that Paul, of Paul's inter- instruction here. It's not that women aren't to pray. It's that men have a tendency not to pray. Did you catch that? And this is incredibly dangerous when men are also called to lead, both in the home and in this church. And if Faith Baptist Church is going to be everything that she is supposed to be in Jesus Christ, and our homes are going to be everything that God desires them to be, then we must have godly men who pray and walk with God. The reality is, and I have this underlined in my notes, the reality is men today either neglect spiritual things altogether or they attempt spiritual things in the power of their own flesh. And they never pray and walk with God really in their daily life. There there is, listen, there is a mentality today, okay? There is a mentality today among men that spiritual things are for women. That's why there are oftentimes more women in the church and so few men. It's, it, listen, I've seen, I've seen this. I've been out door knocking and I've seen this. When asked where they go to church, the husband answers the door. You ask them, you know, do you go to church? We're from Faith Baptist Church. Do, do you go to, we're out inviting people to come to church. Do you go to church anywhere? And I've literally watched a man do this. Hey, honey, where do we go to church at? That's pathetic. I've listened to men. I, I've listened to men, you know, say, well, you go to, well, you know, you, you know, the little lady and the kids, I'll let them go down to such and such church down there. Men, let, let me help you with this. Men need to wake up. Be, being prideful towards spiritual things doesn't make you tough. It makes you a fool. It makes you a fool. You're not manly because you have two, ta- uh, or you have tattoos and, Smoke cigarettes and your wife drives you around like you're, you know, she's your mommy. That's not manly. That's just, you, you know, that's childish, insecure weenie right there. Well, I got my hat on backwards and kicked up. You're a dork. Stop it. Be a man. Pull your pants up like a man. Get a haircut like a man. Be a man. Do you, do you know this? The Bible is a masculine book. I said the Bible's a masculine book. And there are men in the Bible who are manly men. You, you Listen, I, I dare say that any of us men here tonight can sit around and talk about how we killed a lion and a bear with our bare hands. But David did that when he was a teenager. Most teenagers today don't even know how to change a flat tire. Godly men are not sissies. They are real men. And real men pray. And real men follow God. Real men lead their families to church and lead in spiritual matters. Real men have guts and stick with God and His Word when times are tough. That's what men do. Men don't complain. Men don't whine. Men don't slander. Men pray and walk with God. That's what men do. But this same mentality has also rolled over into the men of the church. And listen, it's not just the women's job to teach Sunday school. And it's not just 
the women's job to go to visitation. And it's not just the women's job to be involved in the things of the church. And it's not just a woman's job to pray. Yet it is oftentimes that you find women in churches fulfilling these roles. And here's why. Because the men in the church are too spiritually immature and too lazy to get involved. And it's sure funny how they perk up though when money, you start talking about money and everybody's paying attention then. Kind of lets us know maybe what our God is and it ain't Him. And please don't get me wrong here. Praise God for godly women, but we also need godly men. The strength of both the home and the church is determined by men. Let me say that again. The strength of the home and the strength of this church, it is determined by men. Not trying to knock our ladies at all. I love our ladies. Praise God for godly ladies. But I'm telling you, the strength of Faith Baptist Church is going to be in the men. And whether or not we're going to be spiritual men who pray and walk with God. That's just the reality, friend. That men are to be leaders and to step up and lead in those areas. And it's exactly why so many families and churches today are being devoured by the devil. Because men are sitting at home watching TV and watching God knows what on the computer and things like that. And they're missing, they are missing the godly leadership of praying men walking with God. Not, listen, I, and I, I think that I can preach this with great liberty tonight because really within my heart, I praise God for the men of Faith Baptist Church. I really do. I think about the men in this church and just looking out tonight in our congregation. It's pretty much even numbers with ladies and men. And I'm thankful for that, and I I really am. It's something, listen, I would say this to us tonight. It is something that is rare and shouldn't be taken for granted. And I praise God. We've got men and their wives down in the Sunday, or down in the class down there teaching kids and over in the teen department and working on the buses and things like that. But but what I'm saying to you is this. I I, I don't say those things so that we can sit back tonight and go, huh. Okay, let's be content and we're off the hook. No, we need more praying men. And may we never get to this place, whether you're a man or a woman here tonight, where we're just going through the motions of spiritual things and neglecting our prayer life and our walk with God. He gives us some things tonight, and I want to kind of move through here. We're actually running uh, on good time tonight, so it looks like we'll go through here. But I want to, I just want to, point out some things to you and I think it'll it'll come together in the end as to what all of this how this all of this applies and especially to men in in our day and time look at verses one and two so he says I exhort therefore and boy how that points back to the warfare and now dealing with the subject of men praying but he says this first he says I exhort therefore that first of all supplications prayers intercessions giving of thanks be made for all men for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and and peaceable life in all godliness and and honesty. And so right here is really what I would say to you is basically a general call for not just Timothy and not just the men in the church at Ephesus, but for really for all of God's people to pray. And, 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 and you know, because here's the thing, it's not just men who have a tendency to neglect prayer, it's really all of God's people. My pastor used to say this all the time. I don't know anybody who sits back and says, I pray enough. I think we all, when you deal with the subject of prayer, anytime, if you're a sincere child of God seeking to walk with God, somebody brings up the subject of prayer, it ought to perk up your heart's attention a little bit and even maybe draw some conviction there. Because we all have a tendency to neglect that. And so there's this general instruction, but in this general instruction, he begins to give really what I would call are the characteristics of prayer that ought to be in everyone's life that's here tonight if you're saved and a child of God. He starts out and he says this, I exhort therefore that first of all, and he says supplications. And supplications is basically petitions or prayer requests. It reminds us tonight, it reminds us that every one of us tonight ought to have a prayer list. That's what it's about. I love, and I've said this on a multitude of occasions but the reason is because it was such a challenge and spoke to where I was at in my prayer life at the time. I remember we were at a college conference at Berea Baptist Church in Springfield, Missouri, and Dr. David Gibbs was the guest preacher. 
And I remember the statement he made one night, and I wrote it down in my Bible. He said this, if you don't have a prayer list, you don't have a prayer life. And the reason that he said that was because if you don't have a prayer list, and you're not praying over petitions of others and things like that, what happens is this, is that your prayer life becomes very mundane and selfish and repetitious. It becomes praying over you and the same things over and over and over and over and over again. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't pray for things on more than one occasion. In fact, I think that's going to be brought out in the next thing. But I'm just simply saying that this, that your prayer life becomes very self-centered. Then it becomes very small. And as it does, it becomes very mundane over a period of time. And what I found was this, is that if I got a prayer list from the church, and I started keeping up with prayer requests that were given on Wednesday nights, and the different burdens that other people had, and the different needs that other people had, and I prayed over those things, it began to expound my prayer life tremendously, exponentially. And so I, that, that's what I began to do. In fact, it got to where it wasn't just keeping a prayer list and, and having a Wednesday night prayer list and then a men's prayer list. I now have my own personal prayer list that I have and that I keep track of. I have every member of the church, of Faith Baptist Church. I have people that are visiting Faith Baptist Church. I have people back in Cassville at Bible Baptist Church where I used to be that I'm still praying for and praying for God to deal with them. Maybe some people that are lost or some people that are in the church to stay faithful, have family members that I'm praying for and friends that I'm praying for. What I'm saying to you is this, is that you and I need to learn to record the supplications of others, of God's people, and pray over those things. That, my friend, will help your prayer life. And he goes on down and he says this, prayers. And so he says supplications, then he says prayers. In prayers, prayers, that word literally means this, worship towards God. But it's also the idea of praying fervently and earnestly and persistently. You know, the Bible talks about how we shouldn't, you know, we shouldn't utter repetitious, you know, vain repetitious praying. And I think probably some of us would understand that within the false religions of Christendom today, there are things like that, the Hail Marys and all these other things that people repeat over and over and over again, and really all they're doing is repeating a bunch of vain stuff over and over again and going right back to the wickedness that they were doing. And God's against those things. But at the same time, there's nothing wrong with praying for something persistently and praying for something over and over again. I'll give you an example. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus said, let this cup pass from me, and he prayed three times. But that wasn't the will of God. And that he took the cup of suffering so that you and I could be saved. Come on, but, 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 but he still prayed repetitiously. He prayed persistently. Is anybody getting this? Paul's talked about being, being uh, you, you know, buffeted in the flesh and, and, and having some things. And he prayed and he sought the Lord thrice, three times, praying persistently. Is anybody getting this? Elijah. Elijah was a, like, a man of like passions as we are, James said. And he prayed fervently for the rain to come. That means this. He didn't just pray one time and go, all right, I give up. He prayed, and then he sent a servant and said, go see if you see. And the servant came back and said, nope, still sunny. And he kept on praying, and he said, go back. And he said, I'll see a cloud coming up like fingers out there. Looked like he might have been in Kansas. Because Elijah kept persistently praying. You know what Paul's saying right here? He's saying, listen, people of God, you need to teach the people of God. They need to learn to take prayer requests and pray for one another, but they need to learn to do it persistently. Huh. Like every day. Amen. And praying. Walking with God. Come on. That's, oh, that's, that's exactly what he's saying. Look at verse number one again. So he says this. He says prayers, supplications. He says intercession. So this is where we intercede to God on behalf of others, uh, whether it be people in the church, people that are lost, uh, li- listen, our country, uh, you know, he mentions some things down here. Be in fact, he goes on and says to give thanks there. So thanksgiving should be part of our prayer life. We ought to be thankful. But, but here, look at, look at it in this context. He says, I exhort therefore that, first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks. But then he says this, be made for all men. Parents, thankful for them. 
Grandparents, we're sure thankful for them. They spoiled us. Family members, friends, church family, pastor, staff, Sunday school teacher. But I don't know about no verse 2. Be thankful for all men. Semicolon. Keeps going. For kings. For all that are in authority. Hello? You know, whether you realize it or not, there's a need for government and authorities. Do you know this? God established it in His Word. Because without it, there'd be total chaos. And I've got to be honest with you tonight, I'm thankful I live in America. I know she ain't everything she should be and used to be, all of those things. But I'm telling you tonight, I'm thankful, and I think we ought to learn to be thankful tonight. Or to be thankful. Thankful. Well, why, preacher? Why, why do we need to pray? <clears throat> why do we need to pray for, for all men and, and kings and, and all in authority and, you know, even our military and our police officers and think, what, what, a teacher, what, why, why do we need to do that? And, and have supplications for them and prayers for them and intercessions for them and giving of thanks for them. And what, why, 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 why do we need to do that? What, 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 this is, so he gives you the characteristics of prayer, but then really he gives you the cause of it. Because look at what he says in verse number 2. He says that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come into the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Whereunto I am ordained a preacher and an apostle and speak the truth in Christ and lie not, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. You see, prayer, listen, listen to this. Prayer not only moves God on our behalf in the lives of all men, including kings and authority, prayer also changes our heart towards all men and kings and those in authority. Many of us have heard verses 5 and 6 quoted multiple times, even in our study of 1 Timothy already. It is sound doctrine, isn't it? It is great proof text that Jesus Christ is the Savior and the only way to be saved. Mary is not a mediator between God and man. And Muhammad is not. And Joseph Smith and Buddha or anybody else. And all roads do not lead to heaven. There is only one way to be saved. And that is through faith in Jesus Christ. But all of this, all of this is in the context of these other verses. That God desires that all men to be saved and come to the truth. And in order for us to be the witnesses and the testimonies that we need to be, we got to live uh, quiet and peaceable lives in godliness and honesty. So how do you do that? Here's how. Praying. Because when I pray, there's something about getting before the God of heaven and earth that changes my spirit. It changes my attitude, not just towards him, but towards my fellow man. Come on, I'm just telling you, that's exactly the context of it. That, that's, that's the cause of prayer. And you understand, listen, God has not called us. Now, come on, come on. God has not called us to rise up in the flesh and anger and rebellion against our authorities. One, I'm just telling listen, as a man... That is the tendency of us. And I'm, please, please understand this. Yeah, I realize there's balance to that. When government oversteps its authority and forbids us from obeying God, well, we ought to obey God rather than men. But at the same time, we still ought to do it with the right spirit. Well, preacher, you don't understand. What if I'm persecuted for it? Well, so was Jesus Christ. So was the apostles. Is anybody getting this? I'm just telling you, and they all faced it with godliness and honesty and not in the flesh. But, but here's why. That's because they were praying men and they walked with God. And what Paul's saying is this, men, men of the church, you need to learn this. You're going to face these things and you need to face it with the right spirit and the right attitude. How do I do that? By, by spending time with God in prayer. 
And so that's why he concludes the way he does in verse number 8. Here's what he says. I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. So considering all this and that it's typically men who both neglect prayer but then respond to their authorities with the flesh and make shipwreck their faith, Paul calls on all men to pray everywhere, lifting up holding hands without, uh, holy hands without wrath and doubting. And that simply means that men would pray and walk with God so that they can be the godly testimonies that they need to be. Their hands would be holy instead of worldly. And instead of wrath, there would be humility and the love of Jesus Christ. Instead of doubt, there would be faith that God is sovereign and in control, <laughs> regardless of who's on authority in this earth. And that's the attitude. Listen, that's the attitude that's going to have an impact on other people being saved. Not the attitude of the flesh. That's something when you see it in its context, isn't it? That here's Paul's talking about war and a good warfare, and he tells Timothy, Timothy, go there, and you need to preach that God's people need to pray, but you need to challenge the men especially that they need to be men of prayer. wonder why that is. Well, here's why. Because men have a tendency not to pray, and men have a tendency to rebel against their authorities and have a wrong spirit and a wrong attitude. And they make shipwreck their faith like those other two men in chapter 9. But Timothy, if you want a good war, a good warfare, and you want to see those men and those ladies in that church war, a good warfare, homes be what they need to be, and, and church be what it needs to be, then Timothy, those people need to learn to pray. Those men, those men, Timothy, they need to get around you and learn and pray and walk with God so that the church at Ephesus can be everything that the Lord Jesus wants her to be. Let's all stand tonight.